John Pryle here. We recorded this podcast long before the pandemic hit. But as we all shelter in place, the content of today's show, focused on communications at scale, is relevant, as is the discussion with today's guest on what facts and truth are in the digital age. What interesting times. Before we jump into the interview, I want to thank all of those that enable us to work at home, be it delivery people, food and pharmacy workers, and especially the healthcare workers struggling so hard to keep us safe. You're working for us all, and we'll do our part for you by staying home. And now I push the play button. We often discuss the subject of trust on this podcast. That's because new technologies create questions around how businesses interact with their customers and how they choose to use the technologies that are available to them. One area that gets a lot of coverage for its trust challenges is deepfakes. That refers to video or audio that is created to look and sound like the real thing. But what if those same techniques also have legitimate business use cases? What if I told you that this entire introduction has been created by Voice Double Software? Maybe you can tell by my intonation that this is audio created by an algorithm, and today we will be talking to its creator. This is Robot John Pryle, and welcome to the Georgian Impact Podcast. I think that sounded pretty good. Not perfect, and we could have spent a bit more time tweaking it, but you get the point, right? Today, as you've just heard, we'll be putting a new wave of technology under the lens that will impact your company. It might help you or might potentially be a risk to the trust you've established with your customers. Now, podcasting is hot. I don't know where I'd be without podcasts at home, and I love having the opportunity to host this podcast, so I thank you. And for real, I am John Pryle, and this is the Georgian Impact Podcast. I'm very excited to have Kundin Kumar with us today. Now part of a merged company operating as Descript, Kundin was with Liarbird AI, and he's currently leading the research team there now, right out of the heart of the Montreal AI community, working with Joshua Bengio. Kundin and his company brought what we consider, and I should say full disclosure here because Georgian is a customer of Descript, some groundbreaking technology to market. Kundin, why don't you tell me about Descript and what you've done with Liarbird? So Descript is a company which is creating word processor for new media. By that, I mean like it's enabling editing audio and video as if you will edit text, like in a Word document. Word processor for new media allows content creators to easily edit, record, and make their usually difficult to create media very, very easy. And I'll tell you, as a user... I appreciate it because I used to sit there with a playback system, didn't matter which one it was, and I would say, okay, I really want to cut from 329.123 to 331.14. And it was a pain to get all those marks and everything. So there's no doubt from my perspective, just being able to look at the text and editing, it has been a great time saver for us. Yeah. So along with the things which are already existing in the app, Liarbird brings the magic of AI into it. For example, before you could just remove word and move words from one place to other, and it will move the corresponding audio or it will delete the corresponding audio. But with the new overdub that we have created, now you can even add new things. It requires training of your voice beforehand, but then you will be able to add new things that you don't need to go back to recording studio again once you have been through the process. Now, 
Although I think your number one use case is probably podcast tool. You did talk about new media. Uh, do you see other use cases uh, where this might be used? Yes. If you think about videos, one of the key components there is audio itself. You can represent audio or video as text and then whatever you can do to edit, for example, cutting podcast, you can apply similar things for cutting video as well. At the end, you're just transcribing audio there, but then you get the alignment of this text with the corresponding video. Right now, we are starting with allowing users to save time for audio. There is a minimal support for video now. But going forward, it's going to be not restricted to just audio. It's going to be full-fledged media creation tool. Interesting. So let's put this in perspective a little bit. Uh, And to some degree, it's just a natural evolution of where we've been pre-technology to some degree. In the making of movies, there are stunt doubles and body doubles that the people that watch the movie don't necessarily see that. I don't know how long it's been that CGI has been around and making movies. Uh, Godzilla used to be a puppet or the USS Enterprise was just a model probably hanging on a string. So that's kind of movie making. Then again, if I think about, you're talking about text editing, autocorrect is just another case where technology kind of helps. I just have to be a little careful before hitting the send button. So do you see this as more of a natural evolution of kind of all of these, this historical trends we've had? Yeah, indeed. Like technology, what it really brings to the table is specifically with AI and machine learning that it enables you to automate many of the tedious and difficult to do things. Existence of voice doubles or body doubles is there because it is difficult for actors to come back all the time. It is more expensive to bring actors back in the recording studio to really redo some specific scenes. So these doubles exist to make it easier. Now with AI, for example, with Overdub, this voice doubles is doing exactly that, facilitating, redoing certain things that you have done before, but you are not happy with. But at the same time, as you said, the autocorrect, you said autocorrect for typing text. Think of autocorrect for audio, for example. You wrote something, then there was some grammatical mistakes, let's say. And now you apply autocorrect first, which corrects the text which is there for that audio and now then you use overdub to even change the corresponding audio and it it just like you you really convert all your audio there into grammatically correct well-pronounced version of yourself wow layers upon layers so it's interesting i have heard all the audiobooks i've listened to for years now i've heard words mispronounced and it drives me crazy and i realize that whatever person was in the studio didn't catch it and the narrator has long left the building. So a feature like this obviously is perfect to make a correction of a pronunciation perhaps. But as I think about it and I think about even movies, these are all scripted so that someone has already written a script. So that's one end of the spectrum where you you know what you want to do. You do some simple scripting. Perhaps as you move up that spectrum, now we're doing some auto-correcting and changing that. But you know, maybe at the other extreme, we have some of these intentionally false deep fakes where we're doing more than just doing simple correcting. You've got a lot of policy thoughts on that. Can you talk to me how that's been going so far and, and the response to the policies you've established? 
Yeah, as you mentioned rightly, like there is basically two sides of this technology. You can use it for enabling better editing, easy editing, making your content better. But at the same time, if it works very well, it can be misused, for example. At Descript, we have some strong ethics guidelines about how we want to pursue this technology. This technology is already existing, which means that it is out there in the world and people or other technologists are going to use it for things that we don't even imagine right now. So it is an important concern. And for us at Descript, being leader of this technology, it is our responsibility to handle this ethically so that other people can follow the example. And we want to be in discussion with leading researchers, policymakers about how we want to handle this. So far, we have decided that only the owner of the voice is able to create its voice double. By that, I mean that we will require an authorization from the user to create his voice double. And it's it's quite easy to do, to be honest, technically, because you just ask them to speak some random sentence. And then you create voice only if the recording are matching the authorization sentence. So I should make that clear. And I did this because as part of the intro to this podcast, the overdub feature is used. I'm just going to, I had to read this, record this and send this to Descript. And I'm just going to read a couple of sentences because I think it's fascinating. I, the owner of this awesome voice you are listening to right now, give consent to Descript to create a voice double of this voice based on the project information contained in this Descript project. I go on, I understand that with my voice double, it will be possible to generate speech that will sound like this voice. There's some really interesting points of clarity you're asking me to make. You have me state that I recognize that your employees will have access to it, that you'll be creating some responses for me, uh, that you're going to monitor what I'm doing. I I think it's fabulous. We will put a link to your ethics page on our show notes for sure. It's very important for us to first let the user know that how we are going to create the voice and who like really make the process as transparent as possible to make sure that users are comfortable sharing their data with us and make sure that we are handling it very responsibly. That's fantastic. Now, I love your example. So right now, not much is automated and obviously automation is a huge value. Can we automatically remove ums at some point? You see that coming? So it is already there in Descript beta. (laughs) Probably by the time this podcast is published, uh, you will have access to that feature. We're looking forward to that. And then I'm thinking again about automation and and broadcast radio or broadcast television, that there's somebody sitting there with a finger on a a beeping button in case somebody says a, a curse word. Could you end up at some point with real time, perhaps catching it and getting rid of curse words? So yeah, uh, almost real time, of course, Like, or, or if you're using Descript for creating content, this can do even automatically for you. It's like, so since we operate in text, it really makes doing these things very, very easy. Like ums and us are implemented like that. Similarly, any curse words, as you said, like can be just identified and then be marked like that. So, so it may not be real time sure. yet, but maybe that's a place you'll be in the future. Yes. So I really do think you've nailed the ethics piece. 
I think you've made it clear, understandable. You're very honest about the positives as well as the potential pitfalls. One other thought, though, as you think about this, and again, this might be you know, getting out to the future, putting security first is much more than just tech. And there's always the human factors. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got authorization of my voice, but there's obviously a team that produces these podcasts. Have we thought about examples yet where my voice might be changed by an unscrupulous employee? Yeah, we have been thinking a lot about how to really allow sharing access of voices. Like, for example, you are recording your voice you and you created your voice, but now you give it to one of your employee to, to really edit it. So one of the ways we are thinking is, is like, like, think of suggest change in Google Docs. Your employee is going to make changes, but it's not going to be automatically generated. It's just going to be suggested changes. These are the requests for generating overdubs from your voice. And, and then it comes to you and you just need to do accept, accept, accept or reject. And then the corresponding audio will be generated. That's perfect. That makes a lot of sense. This is something I've never done. I want to talk to you about the Georgian Partners use case here. Uh, okay. So here's what we do. You know, we do a lot of post-production and we, we do remove ums and spaces. And I'm happy that'll be automated. We allow for guests to stop and restart questions. We don't believe it's unethical. Uh, sometimes if a guest goes on a bit too long with an answer, we might insert a comment for me in the middle to kind of break up their response, uh-huh. to keep the dialogue going and allow them to go on. I don't think that's wrong, but I'm just telling you what we do. And this has never been told publicly before. So this is, the okay. first, this is going to be out <laughs> into, the, into the wild here. We also don't believe it's wrong. But if I ask question A and my guest answers question B, that probably means they had good press training. I was trained to do that. Then if I like answer B, I'm just going to go back and re-record my question and I'll take their really good answer. And that makes the entire episode better. Mm-hmm. And also at the end, we might say, well, what have you thought? Would you like to say other things? And if I get a really good answer, I might weave it back earlier into the podcast and I'll get a better flow that way. Mm-hmm. So we've been pretty comfortable with this. And without a doubt, the use of Descript has made it easy for us. But you know, we've never told this to our guests and you really have us thinking about this so what are your thoughts on what we should be doing georgian partners about disclosure i feel that it is a responsibility of content creators as well to share how they are editing the the recordings or information that they got from their podcasters or their guests i think anything which if if misplaced in certain contexts can be harmful or can really convey a very different message and then as a guest or as a person participating in the podcast i want to know how the sentences that i have spoken in the podcast is being used It could be a matter of degrees. For example, if I'm typing on my iPhone and the spelling was autocorrected, we don't on the bottom say, by the way, this was autocorrected by a system. There's a very interesting article on Smart Compose for Google in in the New Yorker magazine recently. We're going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. The example had a parent writing a note to a child, and the parent was going to write, I am pleased. And as the next letter, as as the parent typed the letter P, Instead of saying, pleased, proud of you cropped up. I am proud of you. Now, Uh that was a suggestion from the system because maybe more people have written proud of you in the past. So my writing may get better. I guess there's a question here of, should we begin to do more attributions of how systems have made things better in general? I mean, so this is probably relevant only when people are not aware about it. For example, let's say that you are 
creating a, a movie. Okay. And then you have used some awesome tools and that really, let's say 3d effects. You have created a movie with these 3d effects in conjunction with many different uh, acting and all those things. And then it comes, comes out to be very amazing. The question is, who are you giving the credit to, to the machine that helped you create it or the person that made this technology available or the operator who is operating that machine there. I think we are talking about it right now because this is something now and appears magical, but going forward in five to 10 years, it will just become a norm and people's expectation will be calibrated well so that they will kind of expect that you have used similar things. I I love the answer. I think you're right. I think I shouldn't be thinking that hard about it, that it is just natural that everyone sort of knows there are stunt doubles in the movie and everybody sort of knows there's CGI and everyone sort of knows there's been auto-correcting. And even if grammar gets improved, it's all fine. And we just have to get comfortable. They lived in this hybrid kind of tech human world. So in terms of what Georgian Partners does and what we're doing today, you believe we should be a little more forward about what we're doing with our post-production or is that not necessary? I think that it is necessary to do that. Like for users, if I know a priori that you're going to make some grammatical correction and you're going to do these things, and if I want, I have an opportunity to go over it before it is published, I think it is great. And then I kind of know how the sentences that I have spoken have been, let's say, improved in some way there, how my presentation have been improved, but not knowing it and then finding out later that it has been, let's say, misrepresented in some way. It is, I'm not comfortable with it. So this in a way also means that when you are building a system in place, you have to be careful about these things, making it as transparent as you can be, giving users control of everything that you can or everything that user wants. And then there will be some users who are not comfortable with it, for example. They should have a choice to not use the system in the first place because they are not comfortable. So being really transparent and honest about how the system works and how their voice is being used, for example, for overdub is very important and disclosure about it is, I think, critical. That's correct. So we will not overdub our customers and we have to make a decision on overdubbing my own words. Uh, we did not actually... Certainly though. I think that, for example, like I am your customer right now, for example, you can ask my permission that, you know, I want to use your voice double to make certain edits and this is how I'm going to use it. And then you do those edits in text and then you send me that, oh, you know, these are the changes that I have, I have made and do you accept it or not? And if I accept it, that's great. Like the technology still has enabled better editing, easy editing of the content while still preserving the control of my voice to me. You're giving us fantastic food for thought here. We have to think about, we talked a little earlier about things that were scripted and unscripted. And although I have a kind of an outline in front of me, everything I say is quite unscripted. So if I've said something wrong and we go into post-production, we could use overdub to change a word. Uh, More often than not, I will re-record the entire sentence. And more often than not, it's a different sentence, kind of constructed differently, sounds different, but maybe it's a little more... John Pryalish that we like. So we, I might make a couple of passes, each one different, and we'll pick the best one. So I think when there's a script, it's crystal clear. In the case of how we work or how I work, 
we may or may not, we're going to make some decisions based on this podcast. For me, and I think for all of our customers, it's another step in this very significant journey in terms of the merger of tech and humans and tech and non-tech solutions and how a company has to think about this so they could build and make sure they're not breaking trust with their customers. Indeed. So there is a huge range of expertise required here. One, how, how are people going to think of the technology itself? How are you going to build trust in the face of people being skeptical about it? How are you going to, to make people comfortable with the things that they are not right now? How are you going to enable it technically? How are you going to present it to the user in a nice interface so that it is fully transparent and honest? Yeah. There's no better way to end it than that. You're right. We have a lot to think about. We are going to do everything we can to get it right. You're helping us get it right. And we will keep this dialogue going, I'm sure. So thanks so much for the time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was very nice to be here. 